This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome into the Online Inquirer podcast. It's Jeremy Warner and Joey Wagner. And uh, it's Wednesday. We're heading to an Illinois basketball game. We have a basketball heavy on this pod. Joey, it's time to talk a little football. Um, we got a lot to talk about. Illinois has a new assistant coach. One of two vacancies filled is David Gibbs is the new defensive backs coach. We also have another transfer commit, Dennis Briggs, the Tommy Boy plan from Florida State, seventh year defensive lineman. First commit in the class of 2025, Michael McDonough, three-star offensive lineman out of Tinley Park, and uh, a bunch of junior day visitors, a, a big weekend for the class of 2025 recruiting. But I'm going to start with the topic for you, um, are you dancing in the streets that the Green Bay Packers are getting a new defensive coordinator? I look. You never want anyone to lose their jobs, right? Like, yeah, you if, do. yes, you do. Well, no, 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 no. Like from the Packers, yes. Like if another NFL team wanted to hire Joe Barry, thumbs up. Go get those checks, Joe. I think it was he'll time. Be fine. Yeah, I think he will be fine. It was time. There's a lot of. I mean, I seeing some of the candidates, Jim Leonard out there on, on some of those lists is exciting to see. And, and I'm curious who they bring in to interview, but this season exceeded what I thought it was going to be despite my whining and complaining in the month of November. But I mean, the reality was there's that middle part of the season, Tommy DeVito, Baker Mayfield tearing up the Packers defense that you're like, this isn't sustainable for as good as and young as the offense is. They've got to make a change. So you don't I, – I, come on. We don't like seeing anyone get fired. I hope another NFL team hire. The Bears could hire him. That would be outstanding. No. That would be great news. Um, but I'm really excited to see who they bring in. Can I ask you, um, what, just what is it like? I'm like dreaming. <laughs> I'd like to have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and then to have another guy who looks like he's going to be an all-pro at some point. What's that like, Joey? It's cool. It's cool. Do you feel spoiled? Do you at least can you acknowledge? Oh, yeah, dude, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like this has been some sort of like hard to be a fan of team. Like, yeah, they've had good quarterbacks. They ticked me off a few times in the postseason defensively, but yeah, obviously it's awesome. It's awesome to have that. It's awesome to look at a bunch of twenty-something wide receivers and tight ends and and skill position players and realize that. There's a lot to work with there. There's is a it, lot to work with. Is it Gudikins? Is that the the GM? Like, isn't yeah. he? Like, what? Look, he has made some really bold calls. Yeah. He has made some very, very, very bold calls. Drafting Jordan Love, going out, and then you trade Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's not easy. It's not easy to part with the franchise icon of a quarterback who's going to 
be a no doubt Hall of Famer. He's going to be celebrated in Green Bay, I think, uh, forever. I mean, like that's not an easy call, but he did it, and he he made those moves, and turns out it's going pretty well. It's going. I hate it. Three, I hate what it. are we? T- three minutes into this, I, I half, hate- half the people have quit. I hate it, but gosh, Jordan Love looks really good. Like he looked. I was so angry the Bears lost that Week One game because I didn't think he looked that good. He got. He's so good for the first like five or six games, which that's to be expected, <laughs> yeah. right? Like that is to be expected with first time starting quarterbacks. Then he hit it and he hit a stride. He was playing as well as any quarterback down the stretch. They played better in San Francisco in that game. They were a better team than San Francisco on Saturday night and special teams. Small mistakes here. Sneak on the fourth down. Got him. But now you got to do a Shane Waldron calling plays. Do you so, like that? Do you like that hire? I, I am very I, – I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, that, that looks like a B hire. Hopefully. The Bears haven't had a B hire at offensive coordinator in a very, very long time. Also haven't had the quarterback. So I still think it all depends on, on who the quarterback will be. I don't think it will be Justin Fields. Um, so we got to see how that plays out, but it, I do, th- the bears are going to be in contention next year for the playoffs. It just so happens the NFC North might be one of the best divisions in football, Joey, the, the, the lions are so much fun to watch. The Packers are now good again. Like they never were bad, but like the Packers look like they're going to be a uh, potential NFC North champion pushing to Detroit lions. And then the bears should be a lot better. We should be a lot more talented in some way, um, next year. So just so happens we thought the Packers would be down for a couple more years. That that's not going to be the case. I don't. I don't. I want to know what you are going to do on Sunday because I don't know what I should do. Do we root for the Lions on Sunday? Yeah, They're I fun. I don't also, have I hate the 49ers. Like I hate them with so much passion. The 49ers are to you what the Packers are to me. Yeah. So we we root for the like we get like a one game root for the Lions. Now there's a part. There's a part of me that just wants the best possible Super Bowl, and that would include the San Francisco 49ers. But the Detroit Lions are, are good enough to win the Super Bowl, and I would feel great for that city. Like I, I don't consider the Lions uh, really a rival all that much because in the NFC North slash Central, it was the one team we could consistently beat. <laughs> like we, It's like, hey, we're, we're terrible, but hey, the Lions are way worse than us, so at least we got that going for us. Yeah, I mean – Big picture, I'm obligated from here on out to root for the Chiefs in this postseason to make my household work. Yeah, but NFC, yeah, I guess it's the Lions for one game. It's a one game waiver for them. Yeah. San Francisco, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. I mean, any of these Super Bowls would be good, right? Like yeah. Chiefs, oh God, yeah. Chiefs, Ravens, Lions, 49ers, These are, you know, four of the best six teams in the NFL basically all season. So uh, I'll be happy with that. All right, nobody tuned in for our Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, and NFL. <laughs> but I do want to say, Jim Leonard, if he ends up getting the Green Bay Packers job, this guy played this perfectly. Because <laughs> I was kind of wondering, when's he going to take that job? Like, USC, is he going to get that? Is LSU, is he going to take that? Um, yeah, obviously, we speculate, could he end up just being the guy at Illinois? Um, but if Jim Leonard, who loves the state of Wisconsin, loves Madison, if he ends up at Green Bay, wow, he, he planned this pretty well. I mean, he could have taken it when they hired Joe Barry and he didn't, uh, obviously things changed in Madison from that time to, to now, but yeah, good for him. If he gets it, There's, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see who they bring in an interview, but um, Jim Leonard is just kind of the, it's kind of a wild card, isn't he? And when you're talking like coaching staff, not even, I don't even know like head coaching, obviously, because he's a qualified candidate to be a head coach. He's a very impressive guy. But he's just kind of like every DC opening. You're like, could it be? Could it be Jim Leonard? 
and maybe a couple head coach, like Midwest head coaching jobs. You're like, could, could maybe he do that? So I don't know. He, he is such a wild card um, moving forward. Not even just this cycle, which is largely slowed down, um, but beyond this year, right? If, if he doesn't take a job in the next five months. Yeah. Um, love something like Jim Leonard loves the state of Wisconsin. That's all. Who could blame him? Yeah. It is kind of a fun state. Uh, Illinois, they get an assistant coach here, Joey. David Gibbs hired as defensive backs coach, spent the last three seasons under Gus Malzahn, who made three straight um, bowl games there and uh, was the co-defensive coordinator. I don't really look too much into those titles, but he was a secondary coach uh, with a, a young DC at the time. Now he joins a young DC and Aaron Henry. Uh, Gibbs coached safeties. We aren't for sure. Uh, certain yet what he will coach at Illinois. I would assume it is safeties, which I think would move Aaron Henry back to the cornerbacks, which he did pretty well with, with Devin Witherspoon, Tony Adams, and all those guys. Uh, but Joey on the surface is a guy with, you know, nine years in the NFL, several years of, of being a defensive coordinator, including at a very young age uh, at Minnesota in 1997, which I think he was what twenties, early thirties, uh, at that point. So, um, he's got a lot of coordinator experience, Houston, his most recent exp uh, experience there. What did you think of this hire? It's kind of like you take the Andy boo role and move it to the secondary. Yep. Someone who's, who's really, really going to help Aaron Henry back there. Uh, we, we can get into it. We'll see what recruiting looks like. Obviously he's got ties in Texas and Florida, but to me, this is very much on field in meeting rooms, coach them up, develop. I didn't think it was a, an accident. And I thought it was really telling that Terrence Jameson, when he kind of tweeted out the, hey, welcome, it was time to take that ball away or something about takeaways. I don't want to miss, but, but takeaways was definitely an emphasis. They didn't take the ball away very well last year. And I, I thought that was a really interesting tweet, an interesting first kind of quote unquote first comment mm -hmm. um, from him. But yeah, a, a veteran guy who's been around. I'm curious what the connections were. I mean, obviously, Brett and, and coaches, it's a really small world, right? So like trying to dip, dive into the coaches' connection is sometimes kind of fruitless. But we thought Kerry Cooks, like let's just be honest, we thought Kerry Cooks was like the, the guy, made all the sense in the world. He and Brett go back. Uh, but it ends up not being him. So just a, a veteran guy back there who can help coach up a really, really young secondary and, and still relatively inexperienced secondary. Yeah, Kerry Cooks, for those who don't know, is a defensive backs coach at Wisconsin under Brett Bielema. He coached Aaron Henry as a defensive backs coach, uh, but he's been at Notre Dame, uh, LSU recently. He's been at a bunch of powerhouses. And uh, I, I think the recruiting angle would have been really interesting with Kerry Cooks. But I, I do think it says something that this is more – I. I think this guy can recruit. I don't think he's a bad recruiter. I, I like your analogy of, of Andy Boo. This feels like an Andy Boo-like hire and that it's an experienced guy who can lift the younger staff members around him. Uh, but also, I think he can recruit a little bit in Florida at the JUCO level. He's got some connections to Texas when he was at Texas Tech. Uh, but you look at USC or UCF the last couple of years, uh, and they were – Number 47 in defensive efficiency last year, number 39 in interceptions. But the last three years, UCF was top 40 in pass efficiency defense, number 22, number 39, number seven. Illinois was number one two years ago. Last year, they were in, what, 69, 70, somewhere around there. Um, so I, I think this is largely looks to me like somebody who can help Aaron Henry and you know, lift him up in his second year as defensive coordinator because the first year was not that good. And uh, but Aaron, but obviously Brett Bielma 
believes in Aaron Henry. But you look at this compared to Antonio Finellis, who had never been an assistant coach at the power four level, power five level, whatever you want to call it, never been a coach there. I think it was more of a recruiting thing. Aaron can develop him. This looks more like, hey, I got somebody that can really help Aaron in that secondary because the cornerbacks were not very good last year under Finellis. Now, you lost a lot of talent, but you did bring some guys back, uh, and they struggled throughout the year. So I think this is a move to get Aaron back to cornerbacks potentially, but also um, maybe help him scheme up and, and coach guys up a little bit better. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, I'd say it definitely looks like, which isn't to say Gibbs isn't qualified. He's a qual, I mean, more than qualified defensive backs coach. And you stole him from but, a Big 12 program. That's right. And it's one that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, so so to go and get him, like that, that's a good splash for Brett Bielma. But the, there is a, just in terms of what Brett Bielma targeted at that position, I think it's telling. And you're right. It, it looks like someone to help Aaron Henry, usher him along. And look, we've seen conversations about, I mean, people are, frustrated with how Aaron's first season went as defensive coordinator. I, I don't, I still don't think, and I think you agree with me, the answer isn't to just cycle through coordinators every year. That's just not a sustainable recipe um, at the college big 10 level at any level to, to just change it when things go bad. So you want to help like Brett Bielema is committed to Aaron Henry. He made this decision a year ago. So now you need to find a way to, to boost him up, to, to help him, to help him grow and David Gibbs looks like that guy to come in and, and help him do that. So we'll see, see how it works out. But yeah, this is this is very like Andy Boo like, but in the secondary. Like that's the best way I can put it. Yeah. All right. Um, we got one more. Um, we do have a, ter- a statement on Terrence Shannon that just. Oh, I saw both of our eyes. Like I, when you were talking, I was reading. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to that here at the end of the podcast, just to to bring it up. Um, but we got one more opening left. And, and that's where I kind of, I'm interested to see because we thought Andy Boo was a pretty good coach. We thought Andy Boo was a pretty good recruiter too, like better than a lot of people expected when he was hired. So I was a little shocked that, that he was let go. So this David Gibbs hire almost is like, okay, he can help that back four. Um, do you get more of a recruiter now as a linebacker coach, you get a younger guy, or is this just lifting all the experience uh, at every spot here? Because, you know, Charlie Bowen and, and Terrence Jamison, I think Brett Bielma has a ton of confidence in in that front. So I'm just very interested to see what the hire is now at linebackers coach, whether it's a younger guy with, with more recruiting chops. Is it more of an experienced guy? Um, what do you think, Joe? I mean, it would seem – I'm trying to, like, I still don't necessarily understand letting Andy Boo go, just to be honest about yeah, it. Yeah, like, we haven't been able to ask Brett, right? Like, Yeah, regardless of, of kind of maybe – the way we've been talking, flipping that experience role from, from linebacker second, I, I don't really understand still. Indubu was really well thought of. We, we liked what he was able to do in the state of Illinois, recruiting, getting talent in there. So I, I'm really interested to ask Brett Bielema about that. And, and I still think he could have worked. Like if David Gibbs is you, like I don't see why Andy Boo still couldn't have worked at linebackers coach. Even you have, like he was a good recruiter. It's not like he was just some sage who had knowledge, but he couldn't connect with people. He recruited really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's really interesting to me. I, I know you and I, like I'll say it, and I know you've written about John Holosek is kind of itching to get back in that coaching role. I don't know if that's going to be at Illinois, um, but kind of going to get a, a more veteran guy in the secondary would, would maybe open the door there. I don't know. I, I don't – it does seem like kind of a recruiter role. And, and we, we should say that just because you're a position coach X doesn't mean you're only recruiting – 
exposition, right? Like you have territories where you're maybe the entry guy into some recruitments and you're still having those conversations. So you could get a young, younger, there are more recruiting based linebackers coach and still have him have hands in the defensive line or the secondary or here or there. And can I say this? Like, I think us as outsiders, we get caught up. This guy's more of a recruiter than a coach. This guy's more of a coach and a recruiter. The recruiting staffs are so big now. And those guys are able to talk to recruits. Now they can't go travel um, yet um, per NCAA rules and, and go see people. But Brett Bean was had a staff that I feel like there's not any dead weight in recruiting. Like Lovey Smith had guys who just didn't add anything in, in recruiting. So there was so much on like three or four guys. I don't think Brett Bielma looks at it like I need to get like a stud recruiter who just kind of is an assistant coach and, and coaches up. I think the football angle of it is really important to him, the coaching up, the developing, and just naturally you're going to be a good recruiter. If you're, I think Brett Bielma likes people with some personality as well. Um, so I just, I don't know if he looks at it like some of us on the outside do. I, I think it's going to be somebody that can both can do both pretty well. And, and Gibbs looks like he can, He's got that experience, but also from what I've talked about with uh, the USC UCF site, um, guy who covers them said he's a pretty good recruiter. Recruits really like him. Yeah, look, I think when we talk about like recruiter versus coach, when I think of recruiter, I don't mean somebody who, like I don't. What comes to mind isn't somebody who can't coach. I think of somebody who's got very, very strong ties in a couple few regions. Like yes. that's what I think of when you're when you talk about quote unquote bringing in a recruiter. Is like Corey. Corey, when Illinois hired him, obviously had very, very strong ties in St. Louis and the Metro East. And, and I think he'll still see those bear out over, over time. Is one of those guys. I mean, Edwards got that. Yes. He's got the ties not only in state from his time at Illinois and NIU, but St. Louis. That's where he's recruiting heavily now. Uh, and then Florida. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I totally un understand what you're saying. I just don't think it's, I mean, Corey Patterson was brought in as assistant to be a recruiter. Not that he's a terrible coach. I'm just that he was brought in to recruit dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think like with this staff, I guess the best way I could put it is like, I, I think I, when I think of a recruiter, I think of more, you're just really tied in in certain parts, pockets of the country and pockets Which, that Illinois knows it can target. I think that's also really important too. Like you don't want somebody who's grounded in, I'm just going to pick out like random, like the Carolinas, right? That's not really somewhere that Illinois found traction. You want to know where you have traction already and bring somebody in who's who's really tied in those areas, which is why Holosek is a name that you and I have talked about given all the success he's had in Chicago. We don't know. We don't know what that's going to. And he told me on the record he has interest. I just, he's never coached at this level before. That's he's right. So I, yeah, I don't want to make it sound like, hey, this is the guy, but like, just like, I think he's a good example of somebody who's got those ties in a place that you're, trying to continue to, to really hammer home on the recruiting trail. I also wonder, because Gibbs has a little ties to Texas, do they try and get into Texas a little bit more? Because there's a direct flight to Dallas. Um, now, that's why I would have been interested with Kerry Cooks, because he had some ties to Texas. Uh, do they get, like, that would be interesting to me, if they get into a place like that, where Lovey Smith had some success recruiting guys mm -hmm. from Texas. Now, did all of them work out? No, but you're still able to get into a hotbed of talent like that and maybe get some of the players that the Texas and Texas A&Ms of the world uh, aren't interested in. So uh, that, that'd be interesting just to see if they get into that that area of the world as well. What do you think they should look for in that linebacker position? Because we've talked about it. Like we don't, I don't know that I have the answer. I thought Andy Boo was a fine coach. So <laughs> me too. I don't know what they're looking for. I thought he was a good recruiter too. So um, I'm guessing he's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see who it is because 
I really don't know what they're looking for because I thought Andy Boo was pretty good at his job. Um, but that's why I'm interested to ask Brett Bielmo, like, why did you feel you need to make the change there? Because the Finellas change made sense. Like his position group struggled. The defense and secondary struggled as a whole. And that Aaron Henry might need more help back there and in, in developing. Because maybe there's just too much on the plate of Aaron Henry because of Antonio's inexperience, like had to do more there as well as, you know, um, game planning and scheming and all of that. Um, so maybe Gibbs gives him a little bit more leeway to, to focus more on the, the big picture stuff. The linebacker coach, I don't know. Um, I, I, I imagine it's somebody a little bit younger, but other than that, I don't know. I don't know. I do want to bring up before we move on to some of the commits, just our, we've seen conversations on our boards about, Oh, well this title's this or that. Let's just pause on titles. Let's just, those are largely financially driven. Yes, because in resume driven, but like in terms of practicality for what you as fans will consume with, with how that not a lot really changes because Gibbs is the associate head coach. It's a nice title. Aaron Henry is his boss. Like Aaron Henry is the coordinator. Um, Terrence Jameson is the co-defense coordinator. Aaron Henry is his boss. Like he, in the, in the line of command, Aaron Henry is now Terrence Jameson obviously has a lot of input. Brett Puma obviously respects him. But most of these titles are for pay bumps and for resume boosters, where it's like, oh, Jameson is thought of well enough by Brett Bielma that he's a co-defensive coordinator. I think uh, Charlie Bowen's the pass rush coordinator. So, I mean, there's a lot of coordinators. There's a lot of different titles. Um, now, George McDonald's, he has an assistant head coach. No. Yeah. One of them, because when they got hired, George was one and Kevin Kane was Kevin was Kane was one. One was assistant. So George would be the associate head coach. And look, I, I'd also don't like, there probably are more behind the scenes responsibilities that come with that stuff. But in terms of how you and I consume it, how fans consume it, probably not a lot changes in the responsibilities that we see or that play out in the public eye. Like I, th there's, maybe there's more here or there, and, and maybe it's more of an under the wing thing, but these are resume. These, these are financially driven decisions largely. All right, Illinois adds two commitments on Friday. One is from Florida State seventh-year defensive lineman Dennis Briggs, former four-star recruit. Um, and, you know, you look at this, Joey, and Dennis Briggs has a lot of experience. And when he's played, he has played pretty well. The PFF grades are in, in the 70s for him um, during his time at Florida State. Uh, last year, or during his whole time at Florida State, 78 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, two forced fumbles. Last year, one and a half sacks for obviously a 13 and 0 team at the time. Um, and then in 2019, three and a half tackles for loss, one sack. Was part of the rotation, though. Really got a lot of pressure on the quarterback from a defensive line position. The problem with him is he's had a lot of injuries. He redshirted the 2018 season, earned an extra year of eligibility. In the pandemic in 2020, then had a medical redshirt for the 2021 season, allowing him the seventh year of eligibility. But uh, he's had some, you know, lingering injuries since then. But boy, for a group that needed one more guy and experience and somebody who's produced at a high level, Dennis Briggs makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think expectation wise, I, I think this is a rotation defensive lineman. Like I know when you think of Portal, you think of starters here or there. And I, I think. We probably agree that Anthony Johnson is a starter. T. Rod Edwards is, is in that starting mix. We'll see what happens, but you you need depth, and I think we saw some of that bear out a year ago. Now 
you're not trying to take Johnny Newton off the field anytime. You don't have to, but there is a sustainability. And I know the coaches talked a lot about it early in the season. Remember when the rotation is like, why isn't he out there? Why isn't Keith Randolph out there? I, so you need that depth. That's how I see it. And frankly, that's kind of how I saw Denzel Daxon. So I think, and obviously that changed, but I, I think setting the expectations is a depth. And if they can outperform that, then that's great. But I, I don't know that I, I look at him to come in and be a right away starter in, in spring ball. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I we'll see. And probably some of it depends on what you do with a certain outside linebacker. Yes. Or what you do with your defensive front. You're getting options. You needed another option because Anthony Johnson, Anichi, Anichi, need to get that one right, uh, are likely going to be part of the rotation. You Briggs will likely be part of the rotation. Edwards at nose tackle will be part of the rotation. I think Alex Bray is definitely part of the rotation. The sophomore, I think, is going to take uh, a leap this year. Jeremiah Warren can be in that mix. Then you got a bunch of freshmen. You just don't have a lot of guys that you can count on. Now, maybe Gabe Backus is a part of that as well, but you just needed more options and more depth because I don't think this is going to be an 80-20 split in reps anymore. No. Most, most teams don't do that. In the NFL, Like, there's not a lot of dudes getting as many snaps as Johnny Newton is percentage-wise per game. So you're going to have these guys more 50-50, 60-40, and I, I do think Briggs is going to be a big part of that as long as he can stay healthy because he's been a really good pass rusher 46 combined pressures during the last three seasons in a rotational role that's pretty impressive so listen i think the defensive line is probably going to be worse than it was last year but can the outside linebackers improve do the linebackers take a step forward and most importantly does the secondary take a step forward to help the rest of that defensive front so um i I don't know if we're grading their defensive line hall C plus B minus, right? Something like that. Like they got they got yeah. some guys that have proven themselves uh, in Anthony Johnson and Briggs. Maybe we're more at C plus here. I think Sledge is is going to play right away at nose tackle. They didn't get a no doubt NFL prospect here. Um, they they need to develop the guys they have behind them too. But uh, they they didn't ignore it. That's for sure. They got three guys who are definitely going to play next year. Yeah, I think C plus feels about right. Um, like in my brain, just given you lost two starters, I would have liked to see them add to no doubt, you know, Anthony Johnson plus another no doubt guy. Um, but, but maybe they changed their front. So I don't know. I, yeah, I think that's, that's about right. And they, they were aggressive. They were aggressive in attacking this. They, they went and got Anthony Johnson early. They kept pushing and they ultimately Briggs surfaced there for them fairly late, I guess, quote unquote, in the, the process. He was uh, committed like the day before school started. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's probably about right. And again, as you mentioned with, with Alex Bray, we do have to consider the, the guys returning. Is there a leap for someone? Can someone in that mix, which I think would really round this out in a big way. Can someone in that mix take a leap forward, whether it's Alex Bray or Jeremiah Warren, uh, those to me seem like the two most likely candidates in terms of the younger guys and what they played. Yeah, we'll see with uh, Pat Farrell, but he didn't play last year. Uh, and I just got the sense that, you know, Alex Bray played. Like, he didn't play a ton of reps, but I think they played him because they're like, you're going to play next year and potentially a, a big rotational role. Uh, and Jeremiah Warren, just the few times he's been able to watch practice or warm-ups or things like that, he looks the part. Um, now He really he, changed his body in an impressive way quickly, too. Yeah, and I just know Terrence Jamison is is really high on him. So 
I don't think you're counting on any of the freshmen, Andrew McComb, Demetrius John, Eddie Turk, Joe Barna. We'll see if any of those guys can step up. But if you told me Gabe Ackes was a part of that defensive line, like that's a part of this, um, whether it's consistently playing the edge and they're more of a four-man front and they only play two of these defensive linemen instead of three at a time, um, or that he moves full-time to like the three technique or four-eye. All of a sudden, I feel way better about the defensive line because Seth Coleman's still there, Alec Bryant's still there. We think Ezekiel Holmes is still a part of this. Daniel Brown, Juco comes in, who can play that overhang linebacker or a three-four uh, outside linebacker. Um, so they got they at least now have options, Joey. And I think that's what's big about this Dennis Briggs edition is you can be versatile, you can play around with these guys and figure out what you got in the spring, and at least you have some experience you can lean on. Like I would still lean towards Briggs starting over Alex Bray or some of these other guys. Uh, I just don't know what that front's going to look like, what kind of defensive adjustments they make with having some versatility with a guy like Gabe Ackes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot of the ways we felt about the secondary last offseason. Like, of course it's going to be worse. You're losing a first-round pick. Another guy in Keith Randolph you think it's going to be drafted. I think Denzel Daxon's going to end up in a camp minimally. Uh, maybe he could be kind of a late late bloomer there at the back end of the draft. He had a really productive season. Um so, yeah, of course it's going to be worse. And, of course, there's going to be tinkering in spring ball to see what pieces best fit where. Will that be schematic tinkering? I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Gabe Ackes is a wild card here. And we've talked about it. Like, we, we've, I don't I think we need to rehash this continually, but that is and Brett the most interesting part. Brett didn't shoot it down. Like, no, he said at one point. Initially, he kind of pushed back, but that softened over the course of a few weeks. Yeah, well, the first time – I think the first time we asked somebody, he's like, yeah, it's going to be an interesting – like to see what happens with him moving forward. I think Gabe thinks of himself as an edge rusher, but if he had 20 pounds and become a disruptive three technique at six foot three, that might be a brighter future for him because he's not the quickest twitch edge rusher. He's a powerful guy, but I think that athleticism on the interior plays and they just developed a guy into a first round pick most likely in Johnny Newton. So I I have the measurements of Gabe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gabe's got a little bit more length to him than, than Johnny does. That's for sure. All right, Illinois also started its class of 2025. Joey getting a commitment from in-state prospect Michael McDonough. I saw him uh, this fall. It's kind of what you would think of of a guy that, you know, before Brett Bielema arrived, probably going to Northwestern or, or Iowa or Wisconsin. Uh, six foot three, 285 pounds, really physical interior player, could play guard. Um, could potentially play center down the line as well, but a top 20 prospect, three-star kid out of the you know south suburbs of uh, Chicago here and uh, had offers from Colorado, some other Power 5 programs. Really good start. Like This is just a really solid start to your class 2025, the kind of in-state prospects I think Illinois is doing really well with right now. Maybe not that elite tier of prospect outside of Fagan and, and LZ, but that next tier they're doing really well in. And to get Michael McDonough, I think, says a lot about Illinois, Brett Bielema, Bart Miller, and the offensive line sell they have. But uh, I, I think it's another sign that you know guys like him, TJ McMillan, Brandon Henderson, Brandon Hansen, they're getting more of those power four, no doubt, offensive line prospects in the state and defensive line prospects with a guy like Eddie Turk who could play offensive line too. Yeah, McDonough had offers. He probably would have gotten more had this thing lingered into the summer and into his senior year. But I think we're starting to see a trend in terms of what they look for at that first commit. I think they're, they probably have guys who are ready to commit now. Like, I would imagine there's a guy or two out there, and I know you've got some crystal balls out there. But it, it seems pretty clear to me, three of the four full classes, so we're not including that 21 class when Bielema got in, three of the first four classes, 
The first commit's been an offensive lineman. Brandon Hansen last year, McDonough this year, Joey Okla in that 22 class. Three of the four have also been in staters, Caden Fagan, Brandon Hansen, Michael McDonough. They want, it seems to me, and especially as the three of the four being in staters is what we've seen most recently. The last three have been that. So that seems to be something that's important to them. And they want somebody to come in and kind of be the leader of that recruiting class and be that in-state leader. McDonough checks that box for them. And he is fit. Like you talk to him, he's kind of a, I don't want to say soft-spoken, but you, you don't hear the physical tenacity and then you watch him and you see it. And I asked him about, you know, we know Bart Miller is a very intense gentleman uh, when, when it comes to offensive linemen. And McDonough was glowing to, to talk about that and watch film and bring that run first tenacity. He's a wrestler, run blocker in that triple option they run at Tenley Park, Andrew. That's uh, That kind of fits what Bart Miller is looking for. Now, he, he's an interior guy. Right. And he says he's comfortable at either guard spot. He played right guard as a junior. He says he can snap. So you're seeing them get a lot of interior guys. I'll be curious what the tackle market looks like in the 25 class. But this is a this is a a solid start, a very on brand start for them in the recruiting cycle. Yeah. And and they're starting to build something, especially on the interior there. Like I I think TJ McMillan's a multi-year starter at center at some point, probably the heir apparent to Josh Kruitz. Uh, and, and he's kind of a leader among the underclassmen from, from everything it sounds like. And, um, you know, then you get A.J. Dennis, who looks like he's a potential future NFL prospect. He's number 162, I believe, in the latest 24-7 sports ranking. So just a monster get uh, for Illinois there, can play center or guard. Uh, and now you add a guy like McDonough uh, into the mix. Zafir Stewart, we'll see if he plays guard. Um, a really good power four win for Illinois. We know Brandon Henderson probably projects to tackle, but he'd be a great guard as well. Brennan Henderson, Brennan Hanson, probably uh, more of the tackle, right tackle kind of prospect, but they're building up really good talent there. Like uh, Bart Miller's doing a really good job of building up that room. And you're hoping, Joey, this is the year you start to see depth in that room. Like obviously they added a lot in the transfer portal with JC Davis, who I'm really high on Kevin Wiggins, who's a big 10 starter, Melvin Priestley, uh, who, who played pretty well at Grambling besides the penalties. But you're starting to build up more depth there that, maybe what happened last year early in the year doesn't happen again. And they are so focused on that, but behind all these upperclassmen that you have, you have a really talented group of underclassmen. I think Bart Miller's done a really good job of remaking that room. Yeah, I know. Look, I know the the fans like disappointed, frustrated with how the right side shook out last year. And like, we can say that felt feels like a misevaluation. I, that does not cloud to me what Bart Miller has done with this offensive line room. When they showed up, and I know this is a long time ago now, and there's been a lot of change. That was kind of in dire straits, that offensive line. I mean, there, there was not four guys, right? Like the Yeah, top- they, they had NFLers at, at the top there. It was Vidarian Lowe, Doug Kramer, Alex Palczewski. And then, but, but they moved Alex Pilstrom, right? Like they, the, the way that they've rebuilt in the immediate and in the long term, like that's kind of at times can be a tough needle to thread. And I feel like they've done it well with guys like Isaiah Adams, Zy Chrysler. Uh, you still have a wild card kind of in Desmond Schuster. Like there's, you look down and, you know, we've, we talked about this probably on the last pod in, in terms of like kind of projecting out the depth chart. It's like, oh, it could be this. It could be that. And it seems like in years past, it's been almost definitely this, or it's definitely that. And there's a little more flexibility. Uh, one, one thing I want to add about AJ Dennis, just because we saw him in the flesh again, but it, it's, it's easier for me visually to see like 
in terms of looking at how big someone is when you see him with a lot of other and you know college football players he looked pretty similar in size to JC Davis yeah he was an enormous individual AJ Dennis that is I'm really interested to see if he's on that four game rotation plan and then next year you pluck him in there and say enjoy the next two years and we'll, we'll catch you later unless we can nil you back for a fourth that, that's way ahead of ourselves but but you see a lot of potential physically with him you, the tape doesn't lie he's ranked really high they've done a, a heck of a job going in there and and rebuilding and now you're getting to the depth point and now you're getting to the point where you need your recruits to step into to meaningful two deep roles yep uh and good thing about having michael mcdonough on board is you got a huge junior day uh, this this weekend, last weekend, Caden O'Rourke, uh, top 10 prospect, Lincoln Way East edge rusher was on campus, along with another prospect who's committed elsewhere. Uh, but this week, they're going to have a bunch of prospects, including a few headliners. You can read all of it uh, at Illini Inquirer. But some of the in-state prospects that uh, we're willing to share here, they're going to be here, Joey, is um, Braden Trimble. Right, Braden Trimble, wide receiver out of Mount Zion, who Illinois did not offer first among the Power Four schools. Northwestern got in there, Iowa and Iowa State did, but they've been recruiting him uh, for a very long time. Uh, so to have somebody like Michael McDonough who can help recruit him, uh, Griffin Rousseau out of Wisconsin, who this is like the fifth or sixth time he'll be at Illinois. I have a crystal ball picking for him uh, because Duke and Syracuse, the two schools who have offered him otherwise. They have new head coaches. So it just feels like this could be a closing time for, for them. Cameron Brooks, a three-star defensive lineman out of Homewood, Flossmore, top 30 prospect in the state. Andre Levette, uh, three-star safety. I, I love his game. I, I think he screams Matthew Bailey, heir apparent to me, is, is a strong safety, but athletic enough to cover tight ends, all of that. Carson Cooney, at linebacker. Uh, Andy Boo did a great job getting in early with him, but uh, since Illinois was the first school to offer him, Iowa, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Northwestern in. He's 6'3", 215, ridiculous athlete. Just the kind of linebacker I don't see on their roster right now. So to get somebody like that on board would be huge. Um, so just getting those guys on campus. And Carson Boyd, quarterback out of St. Louis that I have a crystal ball pick in for. Illinois has made him an absolute priority. He was on campus last December by himself, and he's coming back on campus now. Like If you're able to get a Boyd and Rousseau on board early and – help push these other in-state guys. Like maybe you can get some early momentum because Illinois doesn't usually have that early momentum, Joey. So if you can get a couple of these guys on board in the winter uh, and push towards the spring and, and then obviously into the summer, I think that'd be significant. And, and this weekend, like usually junior day visits are the most intimate visits, game day visits. You don't really get a lot of time with the coaches. They do during these junior day visits. They get to see campus. Some guys maybe aren't ready to make those decisions, but I think the guys who have been here a long, lot, like a Boyd or a Rousseau, I don't know if anything's imminent, but those would be guys I'd be watching after this week to see if they buy in along with McDonough. Yeah, it's a good chance to to strengthen those relationships and, and try to – you're right, early momentum. Think about a year ago, Brandon Hansen was a pretty early commit back – I think he was a November commit, if I'm not mistaken. And then it was quiet until March, in, in March or April. It might have been April. He was a later one. And, th and then it got going, right, with Trey Petty and Demetrius John. And then you got I moving a little March. bit there. Late March, good call. Yeah, so it got moving a little bit there. But if you could start to build, especially, I don't want to overstate it because I think it could be overstated. Carson Boyd is really important to me to get your quarterback. Or like you prioritize Carson Boyd, a chance to go in and get your quarterback early, 
get that done before February turns around and you're not scrambling on, you know, okay, now we've got to strengthen a relationship with our second guy on our board or our third guy on our board. So to go out and those markets move fast and you're probably going to see the quarterback market go over the next 90 days or so, if, you know, because that that's such an important position and you only get one and you jump on and get your spot and move forward. So There's if they like could, spots, right? There's only like six right. four spots. So if you could close that down early and be done, I don't know that that's going to be the case, Jeremy. I don't, I don't want to give anyone false, you know, pretenses that he's coming, but they're in well with him. They've done a good job in that recruitment. He seems to be uh, giving back from, from what I've read, from what you've written, he seems to be giving back that interest to Illinois. Uh, but yeah, I, I think just getting a chance on this junior day to get a little buzz, right. And you see how it, it's just the way that we observe it. You see how social media moves when you get one and then, Two days later, you get another, and all of a sudden, it feels like, oh, okay. And you know, by the way, it's football season again. Jeremy Spring Ball is probably ninety days away. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a good opportunity. I don't want to say a big weekend because big weekend feels like end all be all type deal, but like a good opportunity weekend to really, really put your foot forward. It's a big recruiting weekend because these guys, getting them on campus now for these junior days, usually sets up another spring ball visit. And then that usually leads to the official visit, which is where you get most of these guys. This sure. is for most of these guys. It's about solidifying that relationship. So we're one of the five official visits they get or two or three official visits they get. I have no doubt Carson Boyd, Griffin Rousseau, um, Cameron Brooks, probably Trimble, Lovett, Illinois is getting an official visit for those guys, right? Um, so some of these other guys, including two big in-staters uh, visiting this weekend, like can you – develop that relationship furthered enough to where you get more visits uh, on campus. But man, if you Barry Lunny adds Carson Boyd to Trey Petty and Luke Altmeyer and Donovan Leary and, and Cal Swanson's a, a really interesting talent, more of a developmental prospect still, but that quarterback room all of a sudden, obviously those guys move Joey, those guys, you know, there's a lot of attrition at that position. You're setting up a pretty good group of quarterbacks there. If you, if you can close on Carson Boyd here soon, just for reference, was a split time quarterback because Cardinal Ritter had another Division One quarterback on their roster last year, but he completed eighty percent of his passes for two thousand two hundred twenty four yards, twenty nine touchdowns, one interception, ran for five hundred seventy six yards and six touchdowns, and led uh, Ritter to a state championship with an undefeated fourteen and zero season. Hey, also, real quick, since you read those, we have this uh, shout out to the Post Dispatch, St. Louis Post Dispatch, oh. for having all of this that on a database. There are a lot of people putting in work for that. Um, major, major shout out for that. That is so enormous yeah. to have for those of us looking for stats. But yeah, every, everything you said, very much on point. And again, not, not to belabor the point we talked about earlier, especially with offensive coordinators who, I don't know the percentage of time, let's say 65 generously, that they're also the quarterback's coach, like to have Barry Lunny now in another cycle and, and continuing to build on those relationships for years and you're not bringing in a, a coordinator and oh gosh hey by the way you got to find a quarterback in two months for this class like you yep. start to see that payoff and you start to see the floor and the talent level in that position room in particular really develop uh last football note before we get to the statement the university released on terrence shannon jr's return um we are supposed to be able to talk to transfers later this week. So the transfers are here on campus uh, and we know of six of them that, that are uh, on campus. So it'd be fun to catch up with guys like JC Davis, who you and I have been able to talk to um, and Sledge, who we haven't had a chance to talk to. Hopefully Des Briggs, 
Kevin Wigginson, um, who our guy Brian Doan caught up with. But yeah, being able to talk with those guys and, and figure out what they liked about Illinois, it's, it's turned out to me to, I mean, obviously they focused on building up the trenches here, Joey, because Dennis Briggs, defensive lineman, Priestley, offensive lineman, Wigginson, offensive lineman, J.C. Davis, offensive lineman, Anthony Johnson, and Anichi Sledge, defensive lineman, Cole Rusk, tight end. All those guys play in the line of scrimmage. Now, Rusk can split out uh, as a tight end who's a really good pass catcher, but you could tell where the focus was. Absolutely. And I, because they addressed all that in this quote-unquote first portal cycle, I wonder if they're going to address more secondary by the way, you've got a new secondary code, defensive backs coach. Will that help you at all in this second portal cycle that, that's going to open up after spring ball? So, yeah, I think you're seeing a layered approach to this, and, and they attacked the line of scrimmage very, very hard, as we thought they might, given what was was walking out the door. And, and now you wonder if they go get a more experienced starter, at, yeah. in particular cornerback, uh, after spring ball. Yeah, uh, Chase Canada, Mario Sanders, skill guys, they added Daniel Brown, edge rusher from the Juco level as well. So they did address a little bit uh, of the skills. But I think this is now where they get into spring ball, Joey, and get to evaluate what they have. Like, do they feel they need another linebacker? Like, Kanena Odaluga, I would imagine, is going to not be healthy for spring ball given when his injury occurred. It's an ankle injury in the Iowa game. Yeah, that was late in the season, so I, I wouldn't expect to see him. I, I don't know that to be true. Right. Um, it's hard for me to imagine seeing him in spring ball. We'll see. We'll ask Brett Bielma when we talk to him. But that that looked like one that might might take a little time. And obviously, there's got to be more attrition to make this all work out scholarship wise, um, because I think we have like 93 or 94 guys listed, and that's going to happen. Uh, it, it's going to happen where there's attrition of whether guys don't get a fifth year, or they they decide to enter the portal after spring ball. But cornerback. And then safety would be my next two. Like I, I feel like those are the next two biggest needs of what they'd look at after spring ball. And that's what they attacked after spring ball last year, right? Like they kind of evaluated what they had. And I think going to get two safeties like Demetrius Hill and Clayton Bush told us something, right? Uh, and, and even going to get Prince Ford told us something maybe about corner. Like, oh, we need another guy. Um, that didn't end up all working out. But uh, I think that usually tells us what they think about their roster in the spring when they go get these guys in April, May, and June. Yeah, I just wanted a quick editor's note on that. Like when you said our scholarship chart, which isn't yeah. official, has 93. So you might hear, how does that work with 85? That includes the freshmen who aren't going to be here in the spring, right? So so right. they're going to be at 85 in the spring. But to get those other freshmen who you have signed here in the fall, in the summer, there's got to be attrition. So if you hear 93 and think, how's that work? That's how it works. They're just not here yet. So it doesn't count against them. Yeah, no. Good job putting that out there. Um, all right, let's get to the Terrence Shannon Jr. State. I, I've been saying, like, I want to hear from the university. I want to hear from Josh Whitman uh, on all of this. But the university released a statement on Terrence Shannon returning to play. Uh, so I'll just read it here. Um, on January 19th, this is from Robin Kaler, the associate um, chancellor of the University of Illinois, basically the, the spokesperson for the University of Illinois. On January 19th, the United States District Court for the Central District of Illinois issued a preliminary injunction in enjoining the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign from continuing its interim suspension of men's basketball student-athlete Terrence Shannon Jr. In compliance with the court's order, the university reinstated Mr. Shannon to full status immediately. This statement addresses certain questions that have arisen following the ruling. The preliminary injunction entered by the court is a procedural step tied to an underlying lawsuit filed against the university. The lawsuit remains an active, open piece of litigation, and as such, the university is limited in, what can say, limited in what it can say about it at this time. 
As the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics has made clear throughout the situation, the nature of the allegations in the case elevated related discipline decisions beyond Coach Brad Underwood's purview. He was not involved in the suspension decision, nor in the decision to reinstate. In keeping with the court's directive, Coach Underwood was instructed to treat Mr. Shannon as he would any other member of the team in good standing and not limit participation based on the involved allegations. Away from the basketball court, Mr. Shannon remains in both the university's student conduct process and the Kansas criminal case. These ongoing processes are outside the purview of the DIA. In the event there is a resolution in either of those forums, the university and DIA would evaluate that information and take appropriate action under its policy and consistent with the court's order. While the preliminary injunction remains in effect, absent resolution of the university's conduct process or the Kansas criminal case, the university expects Mr. Shannon to remain in full status as a university student-athlete and available for basketball practice and competition. They got a lot of emails. That's what, right? They got a lot of emails from people wondering why he was playing. Like they, that, that, to me, the is press. a big thing. They read the press. I mean, there's been columns about it. Um, you know, I, I, I want to be able to talk to, to Whitman. and we, we talked to uh, Underwood about, like, hey, why did you play? This answers that. It, it's outside of Underwood's purview, and I would imagine Whitman's purview at this point, which is, you know, probably easier for them that the university is releasing this statement because it goes above their pay grade. Um, but yeah, the other thing is, Joey, from what I understand, this process through the office of student conflict resolution could take a while and it might depend on the criminal case, which as we learned today, Brett Barron's reported this morning from WCIA, uh, the preliminary hearing has now been pushed back to May 10th. So Unless something huge changes here, and I can't predict this. None of us have been able to predict any of what is happening, and we're not legal experts. But my expectation as of today, as an outsider reading through all of this, Terrence Chan's going to play the rest of the season. That's my read. Yeah, I think that's a fair read. I mean, because there's nothing, by our view, again, just kind of fools who type about sports here, right? Like, by our view, I, I don't see something changing in his status in, in Kansas in particular between now and, and this May 10th date. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I hate to say that cause I don't know enough about it, but that, that's my, my read is very similar to yours. Yes. Yeah. Which for, for Terrence Chan is really interesting. I don't know what yet. I don't know yet what pushed that date back, whether it was both parties wanting it to be pushed back to that date. Uh, but for Terrence Chan, it, it certainly, could potentially open the door to letting him play throughout the season without any of this criminal case ongoing. Like it's obviously going to be ongoing with people behind the scenes, but Terrence can, can focus on the basketball part of it. And that's before the NBA draft. Um, so we'll see if there's any resolution to this before the NBA draft in, in late June. Uh, if it goes to trial, it would certainly go beyond that. But um, I, I do think it would at least allow him to do that unless something changes with the office of student conflict resolution, but without, more evidence, which they don't have subpoena power over. I, I don't, I, I just don't see it. Of course, I didn't see Terrence Shannon getting this injunction either. So I may be talking out of my, you know what? Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. I, I feel bad. Like we want to be able to provide clarity and answer. And I don't like, this is, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not afraid. I'd rather sit here and tell you, I don't know than talk about stuff that, that we do know. Um, so I, uh, that's not good podcasting, I suppose. No, it's just I, I think we have to acknowledge what we don't know. And but my read of this right now is Terrence Shannon's playing the rest of the year. Uh, do we do we talk to Terrence Shannon before the end of the season? I have in my brain targeted 
open locker rooms at the Big Ten tournament. That's the next time. Is that back this year? It's supposed to be back this year, right? Assuming, or I guess open locker rooms at the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Might be it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I don't I, know anything he can say or would want to say. That's the thing. This is going to be like a 10-minute dance of, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. So I, but it's our job to ask. And, and I think th- there's a, a natural kind of tug of war there. So I don't know. I, I, I asked you this and, and Sunday when he played, if he goes for like 40 on FS1 or CBS or Peacock or whatever, you know, we're talking national stuff, no slight to the big 10 network, but one of these national nationally televised games, TVs are going to want to have Terrence Shannon to talk to him. And does that happen? I, I was told we would not provide him. Now, maybe that changes in, in, in a month as we get more just accustomed to him playing again. And maybe some of this blows over. I, I don't know if it does blow over, but maybe that changes. But as of now, I heard it's more up to his legal team. And I don't know if they want him saying anything. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is new new ground for us here, Jeremy. But no, I, I, I have targeted the postseason in my brain and – I think I'd rather set my own expectations and then have that change. But to me, it's a postseason. All right. Uh, that'll do it for – you got anything else, Joey? I, I don't got anything else. I don't it's going to be an interesting year at Northwestern. That's for sure. It is – I said 90 days. We're a lot closer to spring football. We're a lot closer to this pro day in early March. Uh, things are – football season, off season, quote, unquote, is about a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> There's no off season. <laughs> It's the great Bill Belichick. No days off. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting, the draft process, because it does feel like – I mean, you saw all those Ohio State guys coming back. Like, the NIL money, they're they're spending on retention, which I think retention is a, is a great way to use NIL money. Um, it's got to be through the roof. But a lot of those guys coming back, like, does it open Keith Randolph and Isaiah Williams and Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams to rise up some draft boards if they have a really good pre-draft process? Johnny Newton continues to be mocked as a first-round pick, seeing less of that top 10 buzz. Yeah, uh, more of the 20s. The 20s seem about right. Yeah, more of the back half of the first round, which would still be amazing uh, for Johnny Newton. But like, I, I think it's a real opportunity that the day three might be a little bit weaker uh, of a draft class that, that some of those guys could potentially rise up with all these guys coming back for another year and, and the power of NIL and, and getting them back to college for another year where they could potentially make more money. Over under two and a half Illinois draft picks. A lot's going to change. Over. What if I set it at three and a half? That gets more interesting. I still think I go over because of what I was just talking about. I think, no doubt, Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, and Isaiah Adams are draft picks. Um, I think somebody's going to take a chance on Isaiah Williams in the late rounds. And I think Julian Pearl just has you know, the athleticism length combo that the teams are going to be interested in. So I think one of those guys would get picked. Probably more Isaiah for me. Um, but I would probably lean the over with, with all the guys who are coming back. I do want to add, since we, talk, we haven't talked about this, Jeremy. Um, real, real quickly, we kind of glossed over it. Seth Coleman, back. Oh, yeah. Big news. We, we had forgotten to to bring that up. That felt like it was going that way for a while. Every day that passed closer to that deadline day, and you didn't see anything from him. Uh, Seth Coleman, kind of a quiet guy. So the very much the I'm back with without a video or a production seemed very fitting for him. But that's a big deal for Illinois. To get, he's their most productive, proven outside linebacker coming back. He had a, a really, really strong close to the year as he and Charlie Bowen kind of 
figured the, each other out a little bit. And down the stretch, beginning with that Maryland game, Seth Coleman played good football. Well, can I can I put this question to you? Like, if we did our all Big Ten draft, which we failed to do last year before the season, um, if we did an all Big Ten draft, would Seth Coleman be the first guy you take? Like, is he their best player? Mm. I think. I think. Like, like, I'm, I'm right through conversation. Pat Bryan is in that conversation, and I don't. I know fans might think, "Oh boy, this, this isn't great." Dylan Rosiak would be in that conversation for me because of the stats he's going to put up. Um, I think. I think. And Kate caveat: Fagan. we, Caden Fagan. Caveat: We haven't seen him do anything in the Big Ten. J.C. Davis has a pedigree that would put him in that conversation yep. uh, coming into Champaign. I think Seth Coleman would be the number one pick. Listen, I think Luke Galtmeyer is potentially their best player. Uh, Caden Fagan is potentially their their best playmaker, right? Like Pat Bryant, I think, has a chance at the NFL. Yeah, Seth Coleman's the guy I'd feel most comfortable picking for that. Like, going to be a third-team All-Big Ten guy, I would imagine. Uh, but if he can find consistency, man, uh, if him and Charlie Bowen can can unlock that consistency, we for, failed to mention Gabe Ackes, who's, who's pretty good too. Um, but if Seth Coleman can can do what he did in the second half of last year, like he can get to nine or ten sacks or, or something. Like that. And it's not all about sacks; it's all about pressures. Like he had more pressures two years ago. Maybe some of that had a lot to do with the secondary. But if the secondary improves. Like Seth Coleman's got the length, the athleticism, burst that NFL teams want. And uh, if you can just get him rushing the passer. Uh, and focused on that rather than dropping into coverage. I like Seth Coleman a lot next year. That's that seems to be important. Funny enough, two off seasons ago when Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph announced they were back, we had Seth Coleman in the conversation of what he's going to do. And you know, if he comes back last year, he comes back for next year, and it's a, it's a good opportunity for him to really put up numbers and be a, be the best playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's fair to say for Illinois. Yeah, because I think he, Pat Bryant. J.C. Davis are probably the best NFL prospects on this team, right? For for the 2025 NFL. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you, Joey Wagner. Thanks to all you guys for listening. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell and like any video up there. we got plenty coming up at Alana Inquirer. got the list of visitors for this weekend for Illinois that we know of so far, and we'll be at Northwestern covering a big road game for the Illini. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.